Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hoover. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? Uh, I don't know why I said that so loud. Did it sound? It didn't sound loud. <laughs> like I yelled it. <laughs> My name is Maya Hoover, and I'm the host of What Was Her Name, and I am here with my special guest, Caroline Michael. Caroline Markle Hammond, what are words? And we are here for Mama Mondays. Um, I love it. Me too. We have recently decided to air these episodes on Mondays, along with our, of course, episodes on Thursdays, and we kind of just talk about all things. Um, Caroline is my mama mentor, as I call her, and she is just such a wise human being. And I feel like I'm gatekeeping her wisdom by not sharing her with everyone. So here we are. (laughs) I appreciate you having me. I have to tell you the feedback from my friends about last week's episode was amazing. So in my generation, since I'm about 30 years older than you, is that people in my age range, let's say from 40 on up, is really excited to have these kinds of conversations and their own aha moments because the beauty of our conversations is anyone your age is going to learn these things 30 years before we all did. And anyone who has yet to have in my age range, the epiphany of oh, wow, so I could make choices is just, I think we're changing the world, Maya. I really do. And I'm super excited about it. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love how like there really are no parameters when it comes to age and experiences. And I love learning from you. And I think it's really a neat dynamic because a lot of the even performance history, the age range um, in my analytics is obviously you know, early, you know, 18 through, I don't know, mid twenties. Um, I'm 28. And so I think it's really neat that we're kind of like including two dynamics here of different age ranges because we can just learn so much from each other and you see things in a different way than I do. And I'm learning from you, obviously that's why you're my mama mentor. And so, yeah, I just love that. I think that's really neat. I do too. And I learn a lot from you. And that's really important as parents of adult children, which would be my age range. It's going to allow us vocabulary to meet our young adults Mm -hmm. in a very different way than historically they may have been met. And I think that eliminates generational trauma and allows you all to be much better parents than we ever were when our kids were little. Mm. Wow. I love that. Yeah, me too. I love that. Um, so, you know, uh, Caroline and I were talking before we started recording and obviously the people who are listening to this most are domestic abuse survivors or they're just learning and educating themselves within our community online. There is many women who I like think of it as 
this, I mean, really it is a community and you wouldn't know that it exists if you weren't looking for it. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first started to accept the fact that what I was experiencing was actually abuse, I started to do deep dives and I started finding groups on Facebook initially. And then I remember seeing such a lack of community for abuse survivors online. Naturally, there's a stigma, right? Like nobody wants to be a domestic abuse survivor in general, but the way that society views abuse survivors, I think it's starting to be shaped. But there's a lot of judgment and there's a lot of fear in speaking out for various reasons, whether that be your abuser finding out that you're speaking out about it versus society judging you and saying, well, why don't you just leave if you're abused? Um, And so it's really beautiful to see this community form. Uh, It was already there, already there before me, but it's forming in a, a different way through the podcast. And I just think it's really powerful. So I did need to edit out some of the podcast here because I needed to remove a survivor's identity, but this podcast, we are going to be talking about court, uh, how to navigate our nervous system and the way that it dysregulates and learning tools based off of survivors in this space who have gone through court. I had court this last week, and so uh, we're going to go ahead and jump back into the episode. It's tough with like abuse because there's obviously covert abuse and it just doesn't to people looking on the outside looking in um some sometimes it just doesn't look like abuse doesn't mean you're not being abused and it's like how is that that in advocacy for your safety it is safer to be silent than it is to speak out to protect your child it just and i think all of us are just really tired in this space so i've gotten a lot of messages of people like heartbroken it's it's the Obviously, with kids, it is the biggest fear. Here's a couple dynamics, and I'll start off. I won't bury the lead. I'll start off with two things that if you are somebody who is navigating custody of children and navigating a contentious divorce. Now, contentious divorce is just another code word for domestic violence involved. Hmm. The first thing you need to do is contact whoever does your insurance, whether that's renter's insurance or new homeowner's insurance, and you get a million-dollar umbrella policy. Now, a million-dollar umbrella policy will cost you $19 a year, not $19 a month, $19 a year. What a million-dollar umbrella policy does is if someone comes and tries to sue you for defamation of character, that kicks in. Hmm. And so a lot of times abusers say, I'm going to sue you for everything. I'm going to take, I'm going to like destroy you. We're going back to court. I'm suing you for defamation of character, hmm. which first of all, the, the, the actual definition of defamation of characters is you would have to actually have them for example, you would have had to say, this person did these five things to me. Mm-hmm. And, and let me use, let me just use random names. Matthew did three, these five things to me, and this is the truth. And here's all the evidence and defamation of character would say, maybe Matthew's employer heard that. Mm-hmm. 
and then fired him. There would have to be a negative consequence to Matthew in order for there to be defamation of character. He just can't say, I don't like what you talked about me, and then file a lawsuit of defamation of character. He could. It's going to get thrown out of court, most likely. There's not, there's, if there is no negative consequence to Matthew, it is not defamation of character. But people don't know that. And so then they back off. If you have a million dollar policy, umbrella policy, call your insurer get that policy. That means if he did sue you, the insurance kicks in and you pay for nothing. They hire the lawyer, they represent you in court, they gather all the evidence, and it costs you $19 a year to get umbrella policy. Mm -hmm. The second thing is for survivors, it's really important to weigh from the beginning, I need to use my voice and what happened is not acceptable. And I'm going to do it against the possibilities of this being brought into court. Because when people are sly and people are covert, they will do everything to dissuade you and then also ruin you in court. So what I suggest to people, and this is why we're opening it in my organization called Safe in Harm's Way, write your story under a pseudonym change the location of where you live. Maya, you and I talked about this at one point in your, in the evolution of what you've been experiencing. And I said, you might want to think about your Instagram and you might want to think about how that will show up in places. And you might want to start something under a pseudonym mm -hmm. because I don't want any survivor to be, to be silenced the part of healing and you talked about at the beginning is building community. You don't get to build community unless you use your voice and raise your hand and feel less alone in the world and less shame and say, this is what happened to me. Right. Right under a pseudonym. The third thing is if we think that because we have a female judge, that there is going to be some kind of collaboration or I see you or a feminine energy it's like seventh grade mean girls, female judges judge harsh, harshly other women. Mm. And I've seen it time and time again in the past, mm, let's say year and a half, I've talked and spoken in front of 1500 judges. Mm. The women are far more contentious and give me pushback when I talk about the dynamics of abuse mm. than any of the men. And I have tended to call some, now I have very good friends that are judges and I have very good friends who are amazing women. I'm not saying that this is to the person. I would never want to hurt my friend's feelings if they would hear this. Amazing, amazing judges. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, I find that female judges are more judgmental of women and in the face of actual direct evidence will often side against women and remove children from the safe parent. So here's, that. that's just the dynamic that is, is faced. And it's, it's a horrible part of the court system. So then the choices have to become, as I said, making sure you have insurance that covers everything, get that umbrella policy. If you want to share your story, do it do it in a way that's anonymous. So really quick, I have a quick question before we, um, what would you say to, obviously this is not legal advice, but 
I feel like a majority of us have female judges. How do you navigate a female judge? Because I just feel like a lot of women in the space that I talk to, they have like such a brutal time with female judges. Oh. So you hearing that, I'm like, oh, 100%. But like, what's what are you supposed to do? <laughs> I That's the thing. I wish I wish I had solid legal advice. I want to answer this question with, with the caveat of saying this is not legal advice. It has to be, and this is where it's hard, it has to be what is happening in my life and in the life of my children is very scary. I need your help. Here's the evidence. And then be quiet. If you, if, if a woman starts bad mouthing the man, mm-hmm. just, it can set off this trigger where then the, the cause of alienation comes up. Then these, these ridiculous assertions, think about it this way, Maya, we train and talk to our children and say, if something as bad is happening to you, you come and talk to me and tell me the truth and I'm going to help you. And you tell me the truth and our children believe that. And then they come to us and say, mom, this is happening to me. And we report that to the court. We, we get the evidence. We work with teachers, we work with police and all the smart people from police to lawyers, to school systems, tell us to bring this to court. And the judge will look at that as alienation, dismiss all the evidence and remove children. Now, Mm. I hate, I I just want people to be aware that this happens. I also want you to be aware that that awareness can be the moment with doing extra help with your own lawyer. And there's two parts there. If you can't afford a lawyer, you can call any domestic violence shelter in your area. Some of them have lawyers on staff. And you can use them to go to court. You do not have to live in that shelter. Let me say it again. You do not have to live in that shelter in order to get the services of a lawyer, but you can utilize their lawyer services to help represent you in court. And then that lawyer can tell, and you'll be armed going in, hey, this is what I know about this judge. She is unfavorable on this and this and this and this. Mm -hmm. That at least gets you more information. And that that allows you to be better prepared and being in this more submissive role, which as I'm saying, this makes every part of my skin just on fire that we would have to be submissive in order in the presentation of evidence, but it's a fine line between submissive and, and Hey, here's the evidence. Mm-hmm without casting blame against the other parent, even in the face of what sometimes is extreme mental, physical, and sexual evidence to just say, here the evidence is without disparaging that person. And that's hard. Within court, often we think that as long as we have evidence that they're immediately going to remove a child from the harm. However, like the courts have this initial sort of like value that a child deserves to have both a father and a mother. And like, yes. so anybody, either parent who goes against that and who pushes back on that is naturally like it's arguing with the court's value, right? And so they want to see both parents cooperate. And so I've realized that no matter the amount of evidence that I have, that other mothers have, it's not enough. Why? Because the core value of the court isn't the fact that you have evidence, it's that a child needs a father and a mother, despite instability, despite abuse. And like, 
treading very lightly and also picking and choosing battles. And like, even in the most recent court hearing that I had, um, my ex-husband hadn't followed any of the court orders that he was supposed to do. I followed every single one, but (laughs) he got a favor. Um, and he wanted his family to now meet, uh, our child. And I sat there and I'm like, well, I have two options right now. And they looked at me and they on the spot were like, what do you think, Maya? That's what the judge said. And I was like, or, you know, what do you think petitioner? And I was like, I have two options right now. I can either communicate that this is not a good idea. This child does not need to have more people removed out of his life. If these tests come back and he is unfit and they see that unfit, then, then what's going to happen? Because then he's going to have more people that he has to say goodbye to. Also, this family is abusive in and of themselves, but right. It doesn't support the value of the court, which is that family is beneficial for a child. And so they have a right to the child. And I looked at the judge and I was like, it is in our child's best interest to have grandparents. And I think that he would love to have grandparents. Therefore, as long as it is short and sweet, I support it. And she looked at me and for the first time in three years, she applauded me. And I was like, I think I've cracked the code. Like, I think I understand now where the issue is in my, you know, does that make sense? It does. And and that's a role you have to play. Mm -hmm. And then let's talk about the after of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The pain of having to say something like that when, and every amount of your fiber is, are you kidding me? No, Mm -hmm. but, but knowing where you can win and playing that card gets you this perspective of complacency and compliance and collaboration, which hopefully plays well when things are even bigger to have to say no to. Exactly. Yeah. And the more that you can build that reputation of like, you are agreeable, you want what's in the best interest of your child, even though it's not maybe in the best interest of your child, but according to the court, it is you're building character, you're building trust. And so when those hard no's come in place, it's like, you're not just seen as somebody who won't budge on anything. And so you really do have to pick and choose your battles. And like, after I said that, uh, we got off the call and I wept with my lawyer, like my lawyer wept, I wept. And I was like, why did I say that? And she was like, you said the right thing. She wasn't really asking you. She wasn't, you know, and there was, I didn't have a choice. I mean, she was, I think she would have decided that with or without my yes. Um, but it built reputation. It built a trust, even if it's like a small step and, you know, it is in the good, in the best interest of him to have family members. And I mean, it's supervised and it's not ideal, but I mean, I have bigger, battles right now and so all of that being said though I think that I just it reminded me of what you said I think it like ties in it does here's the other part as parents we still have an option with our children to be the best parent we can and part of that is I just had to have this conversation with with a woman navigating some some significant sexual violence uh committed against her children by their father Mm. And I said, what you, what you need to do is allow the professionals 
to do their job. And as the parent, while it, it might like you want mama bear comes out, you want to protect that child. The world as a parent there is to say, I love you so much. You can talk to me about anything. Mm -hmm. There's not one thing you can ever tell me that's going to make me stop loving you Mm -hmm. and leave it at that. And it's hard because, but if you, if you poke and if you prod and they're not ready to talk yet, then you've done a, you've you've done a little bit of a disservice to them because it'll make them more fearful most likely children in that in those instances are prote- feel as if they're protecting o- other siblings mm. and that's why they don't say anything so you just have to keep an open line of communication and in like every instance maybe you're reading a book and there's a there's a a little a storybook that you're reading together and the the story talks about the mom and the dad and the, and the child. And, and even, Hey, look at, do you think that the picture of this little bear that he looks happy or do you think he looks worried? Mm -hmm. Hey, do you think if he's happy, he's going to tell his mom what he's happy about? Well, you know, what if this bear looked worried? Right. I I bet that, I bet that bear, if, if that bear was worried about something would still tell his mama bear what was going on. And I know that mama bear is going to love him just like I'm always going to love you. You have to create situations and dynamics that allow your children to feel comfortable. And then in the navigation of this, you have to say, I commit to you to always love you. I commit to you with whatever you need. I'm going to get you the right help. And I'm going to work tirelessly to make sure that I can create the best life for you. Because that may be the only thing we have control over is how we choose to interact with our kids. One of the things that, that happened is she was very excited that that one of the children who's older had come to her and said, hey, this happened at dad's. She's like, I'm just so thankful it's the first time. And I said, okay, so now we're going to have to have a hard conversation. Right. That's the first time she's told you. Mm. And I need you to recognize that while you are told celebrate that and encourage it and say, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you told me. There may have been other times she didn't. And she also needs to know that anytime, no matter how long ago, if it was that something happened that made you feel sad or scared, still talk to me. That allows a continuation of, of starting to compile evidence. It allows a safe space for children. It allows conversations to happen that are very hard, but you just have to be the present parent that waits for it. Mm-hmm. One of the things I suggest with people is to have a code word with your kids because uh, my son, he's 28 years old. He, if something was bothering him, he would circle around me. And that's how I always knew something was wrong. It would take him a week to talk about whatever it was mm-hmm. that was bothering him. And he's just circling and he's circling. There's no amount of prodding or, or coaxing or, hey, buddy, tell me what's up that would make him speak until he finally chose to tell me. Mm-hmm. And so he and I developed this, this phrase and that was my stomach hurts. If he came to me, because I said, bud, if there's something, a problem and we talk about it, does it make you feel better? And he said, it does. I said, well, could we try something where you feel better sooner that you don't have to have your, your, your feelings go on where you don't feel good before you can finally tell me. And sometimes maybe you can't find the words. So how about this? If something is happening in your body that makes you feel sad, 
then you just have to come to me and say, my stomach hurts. And we'll just sit together on the couch. We'll watch movies. We'll make a dinner together. And then when it's finally time that you want to tell me what that is, we'll be together. And you don't have to find the words right away. I'll just know that if you tell me your stomach hurts, that we need to sit down and figure out a way to be together to talk. And I'll be damned if he is not 28 years old and still will come to me when there's a big problem and say, my stomach hurts. Hmm. And kids need that safe space before they can find the words and to even tell them if your body, if something is happening that makes you feel bad or sad or scared, but you don't know how to tell me, let's figure out a way we can, we can have a conversation. Let's figure out a way. You don't have to even figure out what it is you want to tell me. You just say, I want to go surfing. I, you know, something that you and your child create together that allows them to tell you without having to use the really hard words to say something's wrong. Yeah. I think it's just challenging because it's like, where is that line between maybe a child communicates something's wrong. You begin to form more and more information, but once it's brought into court, then it's like alienation or yeah, it's seen as alienation. Like I just, I just feel so discouraged at this point where I'm like, I just feel like to complain about what's happening or to share evidence and proof or even like a child's statement. If you just feel like nothing's holding, like nothing is sticking. Yeah. It's been a difficult week for that. If people want to follow a woman navigating this now, and she's being very vocal about it, Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, Christina K, K period, Pierce, P-I-E-R-C-E. She's blasting the judge who took her children away in the face of direct physical evidence Mm -hmm. with the support of her pediatrician team with the support of the police station, with the support of lawyers, which with the support of social workers, with the documented support of all these entities who she followed to the letter, exactly what they told her to do. She walked into that courtroom and she left without custody of her children immediately taken away. And she has an hour of supervised zoom calls with her kids now. It's been a heavy week. I wish we had straight answers. I wish I could say, this is what we do and it works every time. Mm-hmm. We don't. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to lose for people to hear this and lose hope because people think, you know what? I have a notebook. I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to time and stamp it on the notebook. And I'm going to be able to admit all this evidence into court. And that is not true. There are certain court parameters that have to be met in order for evidence to be submitted. And Victim's Voice is the partner that we use at safeinharmsway.org. And we will get you the app for free that allows you to document the abuse in a way that is court admissible. So that uh, I don't have hard and fast answers. I do have resources that hopefully gives you back power over your situation when so many things seem powerless. Have you, have you ever seen a mother lose custody and then regain it? Uh, I have. I have. Yeah. In Missouri. Now think about this in Missouri, our win for the court system was to get a statute in place that judges had to at least start with 50, 50. 
So think about that for a minute. Even in the face of documented abuse and evidence, judges in Missouri have to at least start with 50-50, which means you will still have to share custody with the abuser. And that's considered a win. But it was better than women losing full custody, which was happening over and over again. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think it's just a really challenging week and I think it's scary, um, because we're all looking at each other's journeys and like, I wrote this piece and it was talking about how it often, I feel like it, this whole thing is like ground that hasn't necessarily been conquered yet. And so it's like, people are on the front lines everybody's you know following each other one after the other and then there's just like it's a minefield and there's these like grenades going off and people are getting taken out left and right and then you're like watching people's like people maneuver like all of these court hearings and trials and seeing mothers get kids taken away and then this one gains custody you know and we're like we're just trying to like make it out alive and it's like a war and I think it's hard to like watch so many people in the community because it's really easy to get discouraged when you see somebody who, you know, like gets placed with a gag order and that's like everyone's biggest fear. I mean, your voice is everything. And if you can't, I had one, uh, a survivor message me uh, and she was like, I had my child taken away and now my voice and my community all in one. Mm -hmm. And it's like he has officially stripped everything from her that gave her freedom. And it's heartbreaking. And it's really hard to stay in high spirits when you see women just collapsing left and right. It is. It's it's overwhelming. And that's why I think the conversations we're having are important in that if you are going into this, if you're new to this and you're discovering, okay, I'm going to have to navigate the system and I'm scared now because of all of these things, then that's why we're going to keep talking about the things, get your, um, your, get your $19 umbrella policy, create a fake Facebook. If you want to join community, create a fake, fake Facebook or Instagram account that no one else knows about. Also make sure that every single password you have has been changed. Mm -hmm. The amount of women I've worked with, and that's one of my first questions, how safe is this email? How safe is this phone? If, and then I say, and did you change the password on your email? Do you still share a phone account with your former husband? Does that person have access? Because if they hold the name on that account, they have access to all your text messages, all of your emails, everything. So you have to, and now the the laws just changed. You should be able to get your, your phone number away from the overall account if it's still in your husband's name. And it, before you couldn't. So making sure all of those emails, the passwords are changed, your phone is in your own name, that there's no access to that. I actually want to, just since we're on the topic of court, um, you walked through some really great tools with me that I used going into this hearing. And um, I had one for hearing in particular where I, they had made that final ruling that he was going to meet his father. 
And I lost my shit like on the camera. Like I lost it, like wept. And I was like, all right, I can't do that again. And I need help. Um, and you gave me some really good tools. And I would love to just maybe walk through some of that, like for people who are listening, who have court hearings coming up, um, who have to face their abuser, um, could you give them some tools on how to equip themselves so that they can manage, self-soothe, handle the triggers, all the things? If you can chew gum without getting so nervous that you kind of look like a horse eating hay, chew gum. The, the, your mouth, the action of your mouth moving calms your nervous system. It is, a, it is a trigger for your vagal nerve that runs from the top of your head to your toes. And that nerve controls every single automatic response in your body. So when you feel out of control and your body is automatically responding in a way because it's like, we're unsafe, we're unsafe, we're unsafe, that actually calms your nervous system down. Maya has heard me say this numerous times. And then she divulged to me that she actually didn't really start drinking water until one time she did. And then she was like, wow, that really worked. Remember that, Maya? I'm like, oh, I need water. You're like, Maya, you're dehydrated. I'm like, oh, is that why I have headaches? <laughs> so drink ice water. Mm -hmm. If you have to be live in court, that's a little bit difficult. But if you're on Zoom, keep, keep a, a you know, it would be normal for you to have a glass of ice water next to you. Drink ice water. Ice water always does, already does the same thing. Not only will it dehydrate or will rehydrate you because chances are you might not have been taking care of yourself. So drink lots of ice water. It stimulates the same nerve that allows your body to remain calm. I always counsel people to take a very heavy coat. If you have to go, I don't care if it's the middle of summer. I don't care take a heavy coat into court with you or keep one in if you're on Zoom and keep it on your lap. You don't have to just put it across. You know, someone says like, I had actually one person say, I said, how did she go? Well, she said, first of all, they had more questions about why I had a coat. That weight of the coat will ground you. You need to connect your body to the energy of the earth. And people, when I say this, feel like that's woohoo. And that's kind of really, it works. Your body with a weight on it makes you grounded. Your body grounded keeps calm. So put a, a, a heavy coat over you. Say, you know what? I'm cold in the summer. I'm cold in the winter. I always carry something in case it's cold in a room. If you're in live in court, do so definitely if you're on Zoom with putting it over you. Those are things that when you when you show up like this, it, it is taking what your body will do. Think about this. Your body has an automatic reaction of fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And it's automatic. doesn't matter all the prep you've done. If your body feels unsafe, it goes into this automatically. The way you control that, the way you control the automation is a heavy coat, ice water, and chew a little gum. Mm. The other thing that you have to say with when you have the opportunity, here's the information judge, or if your lawyer is speaking, thank you for helping me. Or thank you for listening to this, not helping me because they might say, I'm not helping you. Thank you for listening to this information. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And really 
work this out with your lawyer. But if you think you're going to go in court and give them a tutorial on narcissistic abuse and how abuse shows up, and they're going to have the epiphany of, oh my gosh, you are so right. And now because you've told me about abuse and coercive control and narcissistic abuse, I can clearly see this evidence in a different light. No, if you start down that road to try to explain all the dynamics of abuse, Mm. you don't get to actually share the evidence I've had so many women who've come to me after their first court appearance who say, I never even got to talk about what was wrong. I was just trying to teach them what abuse is. Mm -hmm. No, no. So stick to the evidence, stick and and say, thank you for, for, you know, hearing this. Do you have any questions? Can I answer anything else? And be very, I always say, don't dress in your Sunday best, but dress dress in your Saturday night mass dress, which for, for anybody, that's a religious reference, of course, but you have to look really nice, but not too dressed up. And this seems ridiculous to have to say, these are the, these are the truths. I, when I went into court, there was actually rules that said you have to wear shoes, which tells me that enough people showed up without shoes on that they had to make a rule. So when you go in to put on your best face, to put on your best everything, mm-hmm. but not too dressed up because then there's judgment. It's this, it's this happy thing of, of brunch on Sunday or mass on Saturday night, just really dress nicely with yourself done in a way that's very presentable. And if you can muster at all this last thing, Go in with an attitude that is within you, but not voiced of you don't fucking get to. Hmm. Now, you can't come off as that with the judge, but if you're looking at your abuser in court and you can somehow manage in your demeanor of your shoulders back and sitting up straight and smiling at your lawyer. Mm And talking with your lawyer and even, you know, thanking your lawyer and kind of have a really big smile on your face. And that is the biggest way to say fuck you to the person who abused you, because that's going to unnerve them in court. Mm -hmm. If you can somehow work that into your system, I suggest that you do it. Because when you don't even pay attention to your abuser. You don't even look at that person. You don't even acknowledge that they exist. Mm -hmm. They don't like that. Mm -hmm. And I've actually had abusers lose their control in court because they're so unnerved that a person that they once had power and control over walked into the room, standing up straight, looking spectacular, laughing and talking with her lawyer, shoulders back, straight ahead, not even acknowledging that abuser Mm -hmm. that sets them off. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of nice if they get set off Mm -hmm. because they look bad and you do not. Mm -hmm. It's a show. It's a little bit of a game. But if you can work those things into the possibility of how you present yourself and you're controlling in the best way you can an automatic system of your body, 
then you start to take back more power and control into your own self. I know I have some things in place that I try to do, but as far as just like, like self-regulating after it's done, because I feel like I've noticed that in the hearing, right? Like I'm, I'm like up high and then I just feel this release. Right. And I'm like so tired. Yep. Usually take like a, a really long nap and I'm just like, I'm like shocked at how much emotion I feel afterwards every single time because my body reacts, right? Yep. And that's part of it. You have to understand that afterwards you're going to have that. You're not doing something wrong. For me, it was always about 48 hours afterwards. I, I was fine for 48 hours. And then that second, third, you know, into the third day hit and it was in bed all day. Your body needs to recuperate from that. So the same things do the same work. Ice water, chewing gum, go ahead and take naps. Write in your journal. Right. Right. Start to retrain your brain. This is not toxic positivity. This is retraining your brain. When you sit down and think, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for my best friend, Shannon, that I still talk to her and we knew each other when we were five years old. I am thankful for the house that I live in. I am thankful that I am nowhere near my abuser anymore in the same room, in the same bed. Those things can start to rewire your brain Mm -hmm. because when everything seems like I've got nothing to be thankful for, you actually do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is something that people shy away from, but when they start doing it actually works. I have a playlist that I play afterwards. Go on your Spotify, go on your Pandora, create a playlist that you play specifically only after court. Mm. Have the best food that you love. Make yourself a yummy, fabulous salad. Stay away from alcohol. Mm. Those things will always allow you to process much quicker and write it down. Write it down, write out what you're feeling, write out what you loved about what you did and what you wished you could have done a little bit better. And when you start to do that over time, you're going to see really how incredibly badass you have been. Mm-hmm. And that starts to reset your brain and take you out of a shame spiral when you've really done the best that you could have. Mm-hmm. And remembering that is important as well. Mm-hmm. I always had friends. I would say, could you do me a favor? Could you check in on me? If I went to court on Monday, could you check in with me on Thursday? Cause I know that that's going to be a hard day. Mm-hmm. Ask for that help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like just having friends who check in and like, I've, I don't know, I had friends who reached out even days later and I, I realized that it took like, I mean, I'm still tired and that was last Monday. So it's like, it takes time. It's not just like one day and then you're just fine the next day. Maybe you are, maybe you bounce back really quickly. Maybe you don't, it's hit or miss. And so I think just like having people in place who care about you and who want to hear your experience and giving you that space to just vent about it. That's, that's vital. And as survivors, I think we, it's really hard for us. We don't want to be in uh, an imposition. We don't want to lay our burden at friends' feet. We want to do this alone. That's actually a trauma response. So go ahead and force yourself. And even if you have to say to your friends, this is really hard for me because, you know, I, I just, I, I sometimes feel like I, I need to get small. And actually, I know that it's better that my friends check in on me. Will you check in on me? Mm-hmm. And, and, keep doing that. I will say, if you have court in person, I would talk to your lawyer 
and say, would you please walk me to my car afterwards? Mm -hmm. My lawyer, God bless him. He did it every time. He, I didn't even know to ask. I didn't even think to ask. He's like, we're going to wait a little bit. We're going to make sure we think he leaves. I'll be damned if he wasn't waiting in his car, finding, seeing my car and where I parked and waiting there, mm -hmm. but seeing my lawyer walk out with me again, us looking happy, talking to each other. And we did it every time. If you have to go to court in person, I always went the day before to get the lay of the land of the courthouse. And for where my courthouse was, I had to go through security. It had like a, like a, you know, airport security. You have to put your stuff on the conveyor belt. You get, you know, wanded. And I would introduce myself to the security staff. I'd say, Hey, I'm doing a trial run. I have court tomorrow. And I got to tell you, I'm really scared. Are you going to be working tomorrow? And They'd say, yeah, I am, or I'm not, but hey, you know, John, come over here. Introduce me to John. John's working tomorrow. Thank you guys, because I'm so scared. I just would love to know that one of you is going to be here tomorrow so I can see a smiling face. And those people remembered and were the kindest people to me as I went through security. And then when I left with my lawyer, I would stop and say, thank you. You are the difference for me today. You gave me an amount of confidence when I needed it. And I'm so grateful that you were here. Thank you for being kind to me when you, when I went through security, that means the world to me. Mm -hmm. Very rarely do those people get thanked. Mm -hmm. And if you can get the lay of the land, really anything you can do confidence wise that allows you to build that before a court hearing is great. And that allows you to have, again, control back in a situation where it seems as if, and maybe oftentimes is a place that you have little control. Mm -hmm. I think the last thing that I really think is helpful is box breathing. Yes. Um, so it's like, I think it's full for me. I don't know if I do it correctly, but I do breathing in or, well, let's do it together. You want to do a session okay. real quick? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So box breathing is doing breathing in four counts. So Maya and I will do it for you now. So we're going to take four counts in. We're going to hold it for four counts. We're going to exhale for four counts. And then we're going to hold that exhale for four counts. So I'll do the counting and we'll breathe together. So we're going to inhale two, three, four. Going to hold that inhale two three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold that exhale, two, three, four. Boxed breathing like that can be done anytime and no one knows you're doing it. It is also a way that comes the rap or rapid rate of your heart when you're anxious. When you're anxious and your heart beats rapidly, you get chest pain potentially, which then is an ever-expanding circle of, oh my gosh, my heart won't stop beating. Mm -hmm. That kind of breathing will slow down the rhythm of your heart and keep it steady. It will also re-regulate your nervous system and it will put you in a mindful state that instead of focusing on everything you're about to do, you are also only focusing on your breath. Mm -hmm. I always do Count, I do um, breathing in for four, holding for eight, breathing out for nine. I don't know. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. that's different. But um, that one really helps me. But I think box breathing is like something I heard once. And people always say like, just take a deep breath. And I'm like, okay, what's that going to really do for me? But like, I actually think breathing is like so like unappreciated. And <laughs> it is. Whenever I get frustrated, 
with literally anybody, anything, I breathe and it helps me so dang much. It does. It yeah. does. And these things that we're talking about, people could be listening going, yeah, that really, you really, I'm going to court for my custody and you want me to breathe and drink water and chew gum and bring a coat. Yes. Because you're regulating your nervous system in a state in which your nervous system is going to automatically respond. If you can control that response, you win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are really good tools. Um, I did want to like preface is that I think that as beautiful as it is to resonate in this space, especially with our own stories, I think that something I realized this week, and I don't know, I've never personally thought about it before up until this week, but I think that because we're so used to as survivors, like resonating with our own stories, um, when we see a survivor go through um, a court case and it doesn't go in our favor, it's really easy to unintentionally be like, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. This happened to me. And in my case, that, and it's like too much for someone who just went through a court case, who's trying to like regulate themselves can, can manage, like they can't hear about your story. They, they're like still processing like their current situation. And when I like talked about my story on Monday and the hearing, I got like a flood of DMs and like 95% of them were other people's stories. And as much as I love to hear about other people's stories, it really overwhelmed me because I was like, I'm not in the space for this. Like I can't hear of another person who's like talking about the injustice that happened to them because right now all I need is somebody just to support me and ask me what I need. Um, and that's something I like I reminded people when this most recent trial happened for this other person in our community because I was like, hey, I think we just need to extend love right now. Like not tell her anything else to further scare her. Um, And she may not be in the headspace to like hold space for your story. And that's okay. I don't know what you think about that, but I think it's something that I've realized. Oh, I think that's vital. I think it's, and it's natural. You want to be able to say to another person, by sharing your story, you think I want to say this and then she's going to feel so not alone because she's going to know other people. That's too overwhelming. So just saying, hey, I'm here for you and I I feel your pain and I just want to let you know I'm sending you love. I'm meditating for you. I'm going to say a prayer for you. I just want to let you know I'm a safe space and right now I see you and I just am holding you virtually. I'm holding your hand. I'm sending you a virtual hug. The end. You also have to. You also have to account. I even said this to you, Maya. I'd be interested if if what your thought was because I was livid. Like you, you told me I was livid. And and in the middle of me, like in this anger, I said, "Wait a minute. Tell me if my anger is helping or hurting right now, because I don't want to. I don't want to lay a burden on you. Right. But." But that was like an inst. I was livid. If I could have like clawed up somebody and scratched their eyes out, I would have. But you have to be regulated in your own emotion. Right. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I, I mean, I needed people to be angry about it. So you being angry really helped me. But the amount of DMs that I got of other people asking me to hold space for them when I could barely function was frustrating, to be honest. Right. Right. And- I know people didn't mean anything by it, but it just wasn't the time or place. And I don't know. I think that's something I personally have never thought about. And sometimes it really isn't about us. Yes, exactly. (laughs) 
asking people what they need, which I can get better at. Um, I think we all can. I, I think whenever anybody comes to me now, and this is, you know, so many hours of trauma, um, trauma certification and, and trauma coaching certifications that I have, my response always is, or I tried to have it always be, I, I, I may not be perfect. Mm. Hey, do you want me to just listen right now? Or do you want me to offer advice? Right. And another thing is if someone's sharing it to you and you feel like maybe what you have to say is a, a, could be appropriate mm-hmm. right now, I, I'll, I will ask, Hey, there's something I'd love to share with you about my own personal story. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. And then you're allowing again, somebody choice. Right. And that's what matters when a lot of choice has been taken away. I love that. Yeah. You told me that. To, to ask people if they are in a place to hear, you know, whatever you're saying, um, right. Your life, because sometimes people aren't, and we have to like honor and respect that. And yeah, we could go, I could go on a whole tangent about that when it comes to, rep- <laughs> we'll yeah. add it to the list. <laughs> um, but I think this is an important topic to cover because obviously, yeah, this community is hurting right now. And it's most of us have uh, hearings. And I think that's something to prepare our hearts and minds. And this may be things that you already know, but it could be a reminder. Um, it could be a reminder for you. And also something that's, you know, totally unheard of. Like I didn't learn this for three years um, and I was going through the court cases, you know, totally unhinged in one of them. And so I wish I would have known this stuff earlier. And so it's like basic things that I'm like, do people even need to hear this episode? But then I'm like, "Mm, I didn't know this information for three years until after I lost my bananas um, in a court hearing. So I think it's good that we're talking about it. It is. And I, it's, it's really, it's so important to have these conversations and, and when you are talking with your lawyer, tell your lawyer what you're doing. I told my lawyer, I said, I have to concentrate so much to just hold my shit together and not look at that man that I may not actually hear what is being said. And there was a moment in that my lawyer leaned down and and he goes, oh shit. And I looked at him and he goes, wait, I'll tell you later. Like he forgot, like something big had happened in our favor. And I was so in the zone of my own head slowly chewing my gum, imagining my feet on the ground, holding on to my coat that I didn't hear a dang word that had been said. And so let your lawyer know that this is what you're going to be doing. And so they are aware to say, okay, hey, Carolyn, can you answer that? Hey, Maya, this is really big happening right now. And just to make sure you're all on the same page so that you can respond accordingly. I love that. Did you mention putting a sticker or something over their face? That's what my lawyer says. She's like, do you want to put it like a little sticker over his face? And I was like, yeah. I mean, I probably should have, but because he likes to smirk at me, um, but I didn't, but I probably will do that. <laughs> I think that's a great idea because that, uh, imagine you smiling in court on Zoom, either in court or on Zoom, and your abuser is trying his best to smirk and get her. He's using every trick that historically has worked on you. Yeah. Isn't working anymore. Right. That unnerves them. Let them get unnerved in front of the judge. I mean, even my lawyer, like she was, 
she was affected by it. She said that like in all of the years that, did I tell you about that? She said like in all of the years she's been a lawyer and she's worked with a lot of domestic violence victims and, you know, like sociopaths um, in particular. And she was like, I've never seen a smirk like that. That's given me such a bone chill down my spine. Which yeah. Is, I'm like, that's crazy. But also I'm like, I think we need a sticker. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think I think you do. And I well, Maya, if you haven't opened your your present yet, you've got something that you can you did? Did you I, love it? I loved it. Did I not send you a picture? I took a picture of it. I put it all out on my bed and I took a picture of it. Caroline sent me a little care package and it came at the perfect time. I'm literally obsessed. It like made my entire month. I was so excited. I think my kid loves the turtle more than um he wants to claim it as his own. Oh, that's sweet. You'll get you'll get to the point where you realize like the per the turtle is purposeful. And if your your child wants to to hold it, you know, as as their own, um, that's fine. But you'll get to a point in what you're going to be reading that you're like, oh, this is why. Mm. But I sent you a framed picture of Beyonce because Beyonce is my go to. So um, I would I would put tape on the back of your fr Beyonce frame and put that over that over it i know i, I love <laughs> channeling your fiance exactly <laughs> oh man all right guys well i'm super grateful that you're here in this space um and i think we're gonna start next week with maybe answering some questions so i'll go ahead and put something up on my story this week and if you have a question for caroline that you want to ask um you can submit it and then we'll go through them and answer them here in this space um I'm really grateful for you guys, and I hope that this episode helped you. Um, if you could rate the podcast, if you could share it on Spotify, or no, sorry, it's streaming on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you can share it, rate it, write reviews, all the things that really helps the podcast. Caroline, thank you so much for being here today. I'm grateful for you, and I love you, my mentor mama, and uh, my mentor mama loves all of you. Exactly. So much love back at you, Maya. So much love to the community we're creating. And we're here for you. There's there's no nothing that you can say or do that will change the tone of this. It will all be done in an effort to offer full support and unconditional love in the in what you have to navigate now and in the future. Yeah. All right, guys, tune in this Thursday for um, our next episode with a survivor's story. I'm really excited. Um, it's gonna be a really good episode. So love you guys and see you Thursday.